Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Fresno State University is creating a new task force to assess its policies and procedures on harassment and discrimination. This comes after a recent investigation by USA Today revealed that the school's former president and current Cal State University Chancellor, Joseph Castro, badly mishandled claims of sexual harassment against a top administrator, including signing off on a quarter million dollar settlement for Frank Lyons to quietly leave the school. Current Fresno State President Saul Jimenez Sandoval has vowed to rebuild trust with the campus community. Sexual harassment, bullying, and misogyny have no place on our campus. In a video message, Jimenez Sandoval said the task force would be led by an outside consulting firm and also include university staff, students, and faculty. We will create a culture of openness and respect without fear of retaliation. I understand the responsibility at hand and take up the charge to create a culture in which we can all thrive. Lamas has denied any wrongdoing. Facing calls to resign, Chancellor Castro says he welcomes a full investigation but does admit the situation could have been handled better. A lawsuit accusing a former UCLA gynecologist of sexually abusing hundreds of women has been settled for more than $243 million. It was just one of hundreds of lawsuits filed by patients who say that Dr. James Heaps groped or otherwise abused them during his 35-year career and that UCLA ignored or concealed the misconduct. Kara Cagle says she reported her assault after an appointment with Heaps in 2004 while she was undergoing cancer treatment. Eight years. That's how long I've been waiting for a response from UCLA about the horrific abuse inflicted upon me by one of their own doctors. I already had life-altering surgeries, chemotherapy, and radiation when the trauma occurred. I'd been through so much. My body and my mind had been scarred and ravaged. I could never have imagined that someone would have taken such despicable advantage of me during that time. The settlement amount was announced Tuesday by UCLA and some of the lawyers representing 203 women. UCLA settled a similar lawsuit last year for $73 million. Heaps has pleaded not guilty to 21 sex abuse criminal charges and is awaiting trial. In a statement, UCLA said Heaps' alleged misconduct is reprehensible and contrary to the university's values. The statewide indoor mask mandate for fully vaccinated people is set to expire next week, but some California counties will likely keep their own rules in place. In Los Angeles County, Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer says the county will only relax indoor masking rules if it meets certain COVID benchmarks when it comes to positive cases. We anticipate, you know, being able to get to moderate transmission if we can continue to drive down 
the rates as we are right now on our cases within a few weeks, uh, but we're not there yet. Meanwhile, in Contra Costa County, officials are still considering whether to follow the state's lead when it comes to ending the mask mandate. Here's County Deputy Public Health Officer Dr. Sophie Makuria speaking at the Board of Supervisors meeting yesterday. We anticipate a decision announcement about the county's masking requirement before the end of this week. Regardless of timing, we do, we do not anticipate community masking orders to remain for much longer. But even though mask mandates are going away, this does not mean masks should go away entirely. Several counties, including Sacramento, Solano, Marin, and San Diego, have all said they'll follow state guidance on masks starting next week. And what about schools? Well, officials in San Diego County are asking the State Department of Public Health to issue new guidelines on when it's safe to phase out the mask mandate for schools. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi has more. In a unanimous vote on Tuesday, San Diego County supervisors approved a proposal from Board Chair Nathan Fletcher to ask the state for a safe and responsible path forward when it comes to masking for school children. Because of the availability of vaccine for students, because of the decline in cases and spread we're seeing from Omicron, uh, because of the overall conditions we're in, that we need to start figuring out what is the plan, just as we had lifted other restrictions eight months ago, um, for how do we get in a place to safely and responsibly do that for our K-12 schools as well. State health officials have said they're working with education, public health, and community leaders on updating masking requirements at schools. The CDC says its guidance has not changed, as the agency still endorses universal masking in schools. This comes as more and more states ease those rules. For the California Report, I'm Keith Mizuguchi. The Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors has moved to take away responsibilities to enforce a COVID-19 vaccine mandate from Sheriff Alex Villanueva after he repeatedly has said he will not fire staff who refuse the shots. Under a plan approved yesterday, the county's director of personnel would be given the power to fire or discipline deputies and other personnel who refuse to get vaccinated. Here's County Supervisor Janice Hahn. Unfortunately, the sheriff's department is the only department in the county that's refused to implement this policy. And that's, I think, why we're here today. I think we were left with no other choice. Sheriff Villanueva called the move ill-advised and a death blow to public safety in the county. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 
Ready for sticker shock? Well, another $5 billion has been added to the estimated cost to build California's high-speed rail system, bringing the total price tag to $105 billion. This new number is in the High-Speed Rail Authority's latest biannual business plan. Rail officials say more money is needed to limit disruptions to communities along the path of rail construction. When California voters approved a bond measure in 2008 to fund a high-speed rail system linking Los Angeles and San Francisco, construction costs were put at $40 billion. Since then, there's been a steady escalation of both costs and construction delays. Brian Kelly, the Rail Authority CEO, says he hopes to address a shortfall in funding by obtaining new federal infrastructure money. In far northern California, the town of Paradise continues the slow, painstaking, and painful process of rebuilding from 2018's campfire. As KQED's Dan Brecky reports, part of that process involves confronting the history of why the tragedy happened. Butte County District Attorney Mike Ramsey calls it the killer hook. This, at the time of its manufacture, uh, we saw in the catalog book, about 17 cents, around $15 now. For nearly a century, that inexpensive piece of iron helped suspend a high-voltage power line running through the rugged Feather River Canyon. But overlooked for years by PG&E inspections, the hook deteriorated. When it snapped in November 2018, it helped provide the spark that touched off the campfire. The blaze killed scores of people in the town of Paradise and nearby communities and burned nearly 14,000 homes. Because of that, we're here for kind of a sad turnover in a way, uh, but an important one. On a recent morning in Oroville, Ramsey was handing over the hook to the Gold Nugget History Museum, which burned down when the fire swept through Paradise. The hook was a central piece of evidence in Ramsey's case against PG&E, which pleaded guilty to 84 counts of involuntary manslaughter for touching off the fire. Mark Thorpe is the Gold Nugget Museum's executive director and says the hook and other evidence from the criminal case will be key to future understanding of how and why the catastrophe happened. Uh, there's no way, no two ways about it. Uh, people are going to have their opinions about this. It's going to be our responsibility to provide the facts so that people can assimilate those and make their own determinations. Like many in Paradise, Thorpe says PG&E can do much more than it has so far to help the town and its people recover. He says the company should play a role in helping the museum teach future generations about the disaster. He'd like them to pay for the exhibit. They can finance this exhibit. They would be able to come forward and make it so that the posterity will be educated by the process regardless of blame. Again, this is an educational moment. PG&E has the opportunity to learn, so do our kids down the line. And if we miss this opportunity because we don't have the funding, it's tragedy on top of a tragedy. Thorpe says the relocated museum hopes to begin displaying the broken PG&E hook and other evidence from the campfire by the end of this month. For the California Report, I'm Dan Brecky in Paradise. Traditionally, it's been easy to become an auto mechanic and never touch an electric car or truck. That may be changing, though, as the state prepares for the year 2035, when all new vehicles sold are supposed to be electric. And as KCRW's Megan Jamerson reports, students in Los Angeles are filling up electric car repair classes. Gabriela Martinez is taking this alternative fuel vehicles class at Pasadena City College to advance her career. She already works as 
as an oil and lube tech at a local Toyota dealership. I'm allowed to do some things, like I'm allowed to help out in some things that are more advanced than what I do now, but I think it'll help me like grasp the concept easier in the field if I know like the basics now. The basics of EV mechanics aren't necessarily what's driving students to want to work on cars, but they understand this is part of their future. Joshua Wharton is very matter of fact about this. It's inevitable. <laughs> Might as well embrace it. <laughs> Angelinos are buying more new EVs than residents of any other city in the country. Students like Wharton and Martinez will be at the forefront of this changeover, says their instructor, Douglas Cook. I mean, it's still like probably 10 years down the road, but I think it'll be, you're going to have to learn it if you want to be mm -hmm. a tech. While students see this future, it doesn't mean they are excited about it. They might say Teslas look fun, but let's face it, they grew up idolizing sleek, gas-powered sports cars. So while all electric cars like the Nissan Leaf or Chevy Bolt are virtuous, they fail to turn heads. You're not putting a bolt on your wall, a poster on your wall with that. But the future, thankfully, won't be all utilitarian electric commuter cars, thanks to car romantics like automotive designer Stuart Reed. Reed thinks a lot about the deep connection we have to our cars as the chair of the transportation department at the Arts Center College of Design in Pasadena. It's a world-leading institution on automotive design. There's still kind of this underlying love affair with it for a whole lot of reasons. I mean, you look at the Southern California map and it grew in no small part because of the automobile. It's part of our LA identity, but now we know gas cars have this enormous negative impact. And so I think that's the honest debate that we really need to have. You know, we don't want to blindly go on loving something that's hurting us. There are EV mechanics that are passionate about exactly this. One of them is John Frawla, a professor at Rio Hondo College, who teaches about alternative fuels, meaning hybrid, all electric and hydrogen fuel cell cars. So a lot of the companies that are either startups or getting into it are just now needing these techs and I can't train them fast enough to get them out of here. The program partners with automakers like Tesla, the Orange County-based Rivian, and the new Volvo Electric Trucks program. This means the Tex Frala trains will graduate ready to meet the specific demands of the companies that make these cars. This is important because jobs for EV techs today are mostly with car makers and dealerships and not at your corner mechanic shops. But as EVs go mainstream, this will change depending on location and how many vehicles are in the area. Want me to pull this off first and then test it down there? Yeah. Back at the Pasadena City College garage, Douglas Cook's students are getting ready for an electric vehicle future. But gas cars aren't going to magically disappear when the state stops selling new ones in 2035. And there will be people who don't want to give them up, says Cook. We joke that we'll end up with a like a Cuba situation where there's going to be people that just do whatever they can to keep them going <laughs> and we'll never let them die. And for the mechanics who aren't comfortable working on high-voltage electric cars, that's okay, says Cook. Most of us still need skilled techs to change our car's oil. For the California Report, I'm Megan Jamerson in Los Angeles. And that is the California Report for Wednesday, February 9th. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and talk to you tomorrow. Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, helping people take control of their finances with financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary advisor. PersonalCapital.com. Paint Care. 
Now with 800 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.